Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, Wise Woman you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. How are you this evening? I am doing well. We had quite the day of weather here. I let the goats oh. out. It was kind of it was kind of cloudy and a little bit chilly, but there's a lot of acorns this year. 
and the goats are really into the acorns. So I let him out of the barn, and they hung out eating acorns, eating acorns, and he got a little colder, a little cloudier, and a little cl- colder, and a little cloudier, and then suddenly, kaboom, it started raining like crazy. And since we weren't too far away, because it was a big oak tree by the barn, as you recall, we were able to run in the barn and not get too wet. And we kind of milled around for a while, and it rained harder, and we milled around for a while, and it rained harder. And they just all went in their stalls, and I gave them hay and clipped them up and said, it's rain day. No. But by the afternoon, the sun was shining brightly. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. The mushrooms love it. The mushrooms say, oh, that's just so good. Mm, yummy. Uh, yummy. I, had to, I, had to, I had to decide this past weekend, which was a work weekend here, whether or not we were going to start moving plants inside. You know, there's all those plants out on the deck, a couple hundred plants mm. out on the deck. And probably about half of them have to actually be in a heated space for the winter. The other half of them can go in the greenhouse, which has solar gain. It usually stays about 30 degrees warmer than it is outside, which, if it's below zero, isn't about freezing. Mm. So, so um, but of course, I hate to haul them inside. There's just so much less light. Um, right. But many of them really, you can't even let them stay out to frost. They have to come in before it's 40. Wow. The jasmine, wow. Oh, cluster yeah. lilies, you know. Yeah, the, the real tropical ladies do not even want to, do not even want to see the thermometer at 40. But the two-week yeah. forecast for here has no temperatures lower than 45. <gasps> so I took a risk and I said, all right. All right, everybody gets to stay out. Mm. And, of course, it'll be nice for the workshops this weekend. We're going to go out and talk about seeds, harvesting seeds. Our bliss spend a lot of our time dealing with leaves, flowers, and fruits and berries. But we don't often talk about the seeds. Milk thistle seed. I guess is probably the most famous of the medicinal seeds, eh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What other seeds do you use medicinally? Well, I am actually, I've used tinctures like you had talked about with the plantain, harvesting the whole plant, um, yeah. which has included the seeds. And then, of course, yellow dock um, seed tincture. Um, yeah, those are the yeah, yeah, and yeah, and the the aromatic seeds, caraway seed and anise seed, right, and coriander. Mm-hmm. Those are all in the same family, and they're very um, relieving to tummy aches and and gas, especially in babies. And fenugreek seed, which is actually the seed of a legume of a bean family plant. Have you ever drunk fenugreek seed tea? You know, I have. As somebody early, early on when I was learning about plants told me it was, no, actually, no, I haven't. I haven't. I was mixing that up with fever few. I have not drunk. I have not had that. No. 
Ooh, fever few. That would be very hard to drink. Look. It was hard to drink, and it was way too Ooh. overheating for me. So, no, what way is Fenugreek Way overheating, like? yeah. Fenugreek is actually very cooling, and I will often drink it as a tea of choice. You don't want to brew it up as an infusion, just as a tea. When I'm in the tropics, because it's cooling and because it makes your sweat smell like maple syrup. Mm. Nice. It's so nice. nice. <laughs> it's, it's considered one of the leading remedies for increasing milk production. Women who really want to breastfeed and having a hard time producing enough milk say that fenugreek is really ideal. Safe and pleasant. Yeah. Oh, you know, just put like a tablespoon in a quart, pour boiling water over it, just let it sit for five or ten minutes and then strain it off and refrigerate that and have it available to drink. It's very it's very aromatic, and we're going to follow that aromatic. Don't use aromatics for infusions, because it's too much of those aromatics for our bodies. So, what have you been up to? Um, it's been a fun week here. I um, had, you know, life is is an experience experiment type situation. I told you before that I had hypothecated about the bucks and hot flashes and them being like a a catalyst uh, to bring them on. So this week I went last week and took a rag as the woman suggested and um, rubbed it all over her buck to see when our girls go into heat. And Oh my goodness, Susan, (laughs) That rag wasn't in my presence for more than 24 hours, and I had a hot flash. I hadn't had one since 2019 when I last was with the box. So it's been an interesting week. Oh, um, that is so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> it is super fascinating. Um, yes. So I'm just realizing I've been definitely sensitized to the smell because it hardly took anything to just reawaken everything and down to the sleepless nights and everything. So it's been interesting. I'm kind of like at a distance with that rag. I'm like, do you want to smell the rag today? <laughs> um, so that's been funny. <laughs> you can just nail it up somewhere in the barn and watch if they go there. I know, but I just like it better in the jar. <laughs> I just don't even, right now, I don't even want to smell that. <laughs> I hear you. I absolutely hear you. <laughs> yeah, it's very powerful, and it's like I'm not, like, I, it just provoked a whole cascade of, um, you know, I don't know, my own hormones stimulated, I guess, as a result of this sense like aromatherapy there you go on steroids of the buck and uh yes it so it got me going again this week so that was fun since you and I talked about that well with the audience last week but that's been my week and the girls maybe one is interested so um we'll see I'm going to start cataloging days um and then start arranging trips to for a date weekend <laughs> All right. Well, don't count on it being a weekend. Goats tend to be pretty regular. They tend to come into heat about every 18 days. Mm. Interesting. And it really doesn't vary by much. 
right? An individual goat might be 19 instead of 18. That's a stay pretty even on. And they're generally in really receptive heat for the first 24 hours. And, okay, okay, maybe you could convince me for another 24 hours and, I don't know, is he rich for another 24 hours? Mm. Yeah. Okay, she did the one. The lady encouraged me. First twenty four hours are golden, so try to Bye. try to clock the first, and then yeah, and then so that's yeah. The books will say they're in heat for three days, and they are. But <clears throat> the first twenty four hours, you do not want to say, "Oh, I'll do it tomorrow." <laughs> Got you it. get a good tail wag and a Fleischmanns. You drop what you're doing. Mm, and that. and carry your girl off to her sweetheart. Nice. Okay. Well, I've I was under the impression that time would be of the essence, but you just drove it home. So I I'm extra ready now to to get it happening. I'm sure they won't go on the same day. I'll be making two trips. So <laughs> they could be on the same day because they like you are triggered by the aroma. <laughs> that would be such a blessing. I hope so. Girls, are you listening? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not exactly sure that it's a segue from there to our guest, Florence and Romano, who is going to be talking to us tonight about separation anxiety and back to school. The smooth like, transition. Woo-hoo. Uh, Florence Ann Romano is a child care and village advocate, an author, and a philanthropist who's worked as a child care provider for over 15 years and is the co-host of the podcast Finger Painting the Future and the YouTube series Windy City Nanny. Yes, she's been featured on over 400 national and local media outlets, including both ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox News. So here's a woman who can really talk to everybody. Florence Ann Romano will be with us at 9 o'clock East Coast time. So stick with us or come on back to hear Florence Ann. Do we have anybody with any questions tonight? We sure do. We have three callers who have already pressed one to let us know that they have a question for you. I'll remind everyone else listening, press one, please, on your telephone keypad if you have a question for Susan this evening. Our first caller tonight is coming from the 603 area code. From the 603, you are live with Susan. It's Rose calling. Hi, Rose. I'm so glad you called. Oh, it's so nice to hear your voice. You know, I've been listening to you for a few months now, but I've been in really, really bad shape. Um, As you may recall, I have the severe scoliosis. And Yes, yes, and um, wow, um, I hope you can bear with me because I am so fatigued. I am so exhausted. Um, But I, I want to remind you of the scoliosis because I'm dealing with all of that pain and I have been on a daily basis. It has gotten terribly worse, but I still have pushed myself to have someone bring me to, um, you know, a a gym 
um, in the area that the, um, and I see a physical therapist um, once a month and he gives me exercises to work on on the machines at the gym. So I've been pushing myself to do that. Um, oh, late morning, I finally am able to, to get moving to do that. And um, I'm there because uh, it takes a while, you know, to set up each machine. And I do need help in doing that because it really hurts, like, when I bend over and stuff, when I do anything. And um, I'm there, like, anywhere from um, an hour and a half to two hours. At first, I was there three hours because it took me so um, so long Um because, you know, you have to spray down the machines because of COVID and all that before and after. So it takes quite some time, and then sometimes you have to wait for people. But I'll try to get to the point. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very exhausted, and, and so I have enough dealing with the, the, scoli- the scoliosis. But, like, when I get home, when I get home, I'm thoroughly exhausted. Oh, before I do go to um, physical therapy, I mean to the um, gym, I do push myself to walk in the morning, and I do walk for a half an hour. Um, it's not a fast walk, but it's not slow either. I would say it's medium, and I, I'm thoroughly exhausted when I do it, but I still push to do it because I can't be in bed all day because that's no good. I'm just going to continue to go downhill, you know. Um so, and then I managed to go to the gym five days a week, like I said, and when I, you know, when I, you know, one, there, of, one of the things, one of, you know, one of the things that I think, Rose, is sure. that, is that chronic pain um, hurts yeah. whether you're laying in bed or, or doing something, and doing something is better for you. Yes. Yes, that's why I, so I think you're making the right choice. I do not think that you're harming yourself by, oh, no. by pushing, I, I don't think that, Go yeah. ahead. I, th- yeah, I, I know I'm not harming doing... myself when I'm when I'm working out, but the problem is then the rest of the day. So when I get back home, of course I'm exhausted. I have to get something to eat. All I can manage to do is get myself something to eat, and then and then um, I I am just so exhausted and in so much pain from standing only an hour you know, trying to get something together and, and, um, and then I, it's such a relief to sit down and eat. Um, and then the, the rest of the afternoon, uh, I, I keep on, I, I lie down for a bit, but I'm so exhausted because I don't sleep much at night. I don't sleep during the day. Um, it doesn't allow me to sleep either, but at least I rest and, and, you know, I deep breathe and I pray and, you know, meditate, but, it's um Excellent. so my day, my Excellent. afternoon. Well, what thank a wonderful you, but, way to take care of yourself. Yes, well, beautiful. I got I to tell you. So that's what I've been doing. I just want to bring you up 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 to date. Now, during that time, and for quite uh, actually for a few years now, I've had before the scoliosis got this this severe. I've had a prickling, a, uh, a prickling sensation like pins and needles in the bottom of, on the soles of my feet. And that has progressively um, gotten worse. At first, um, uh, um, one practitioner thought it was due to Lyme because I had had so many tick bites 
But I, I, I never knew about that. But she was just going to prescribe many, many um, uh, antibiotics. But I saw, you know, I had no proof that it was Lyme. Um, one test came back that I, I don't, I don't even remember now. It was so many years ago. But it has progressively got gotten worse and only gotten progressively worse. This, this it's actually. Be, turns into burning, like an extreme burning at night. Now, because I'm, I have to take turns um, go, being horizontal during the day to rest, and sometimes I'm even in bed like for two hours because I'm just so wiped and I just have to lay there. But I say, no, you've got to get up because you can't, you know, I don't want to get a blood clot, you know, you've got to push yourself, you know, i got to push myself. But Really, when it comes time to like 6.30, between 6.30 and 10 o'clock at night, I am horizontal because I'm that wiped. So my husband and I usually watch two movies on TV, you know, back to back, um, and um, it takes my mind off of it, and of course it gives me time with him. But when I'm ready to go to bed, I take pills for pain that have been suggested to me to try and I've been trying, I've been trying them and actually over the, over years I have have been trouble sleeping and tried a whole bunch of things, but finally I had to resort to trying a sleep pill prescribed um, by um, an MD and actually for the first time I can actually fall asleep um, and I do, I do sleep um, a little, you know, some now before it was like impossible for me to sleep like it went on for years where i wasn't sleeping but more recently i did get the the um covid vaccine a couple weeks ago and i don't know it was my first time getting it so i only needed one shot it was the johnson and johnson and um i don't know i i mean i didn't seem to have any any side effects i didn't even have a sore arm or anything but then the last that was week, I, that was my experience with the johnson and johnson too there wasn't even a mark on my arm yeah well well i, I haven't even looked at it to tell you the truth but um you know i have a hard enough trouble to showering and bathing and washing my hair and i managed to do it once every two weeks because it just i mean you know it's so difficult um but let's see i gotta get to the point now um so like a, a few days after I got the Johnson, I said, "Yeah, this is a this is a breeze, no side effects, no nothing." But a few days after that, um, I started getting this much more severely this 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 pain in the bottom of my uh, feet. So like from six, so now what, from six thirty to, to ten o'clock, I'm okay. Then I move upstairs to bed, you know, take, you know, get ready for bed, take the sleeping pill and one of the pain pills. And I, I just, I can't even fall asleep after I'm lying down for a little while when the sleeping pill used to put me right to sleep. Now this, the burning, the sensation gets worse and worse and it gets so bad, Susan. And I always had a high pain tolerance, but I got to tell you, I moan which progresses into severe sobbing and it can last for two hours. It's so bad. 
I can't hardly, you know, I, I'm almost losing my mind. Um, the meditation no longer works. Nothing works. Seeing my legs, I try standing up, um, you know, um, but really I have uh, to clap. I, I will share yeah. with you what someone shared with me when I was in that state. And she asked really? me if there was... She asked me if there was any place in my body that didn't hurt, and I said no. No, um, no, everywhere in my body hurts. She says, I want you to look very carefully, and I want you to tell me if there's any place at all in your body that does not hurt. And eventually I said to her, you are right, the tip of my nose does not hurt. Yeah, yeah. So it may not be that for you. It may be something else for you. She instructed me to go there. Uh-huh. Focus on that point. Is that, that Focus part on my point? nose. And what actually happened, and it was kind of funny, I had to laugh. I was turned into Pinocchio. And I would uh-huh. focus on my nose, and I would actually uh-huh. feel my nose growing longer and longer, and it would carry me away from the pain. Huh. And it, it was, I mean, morphine wasn't working. Yeah. See, and I don't want to go on, I've been to pain management because, you know, I, I was, you know, I'm an all-natural gal, so I, you know, I, I only... Exactly. And that's what I'm really saying. Pain. I was in so much pain that I begged them for morphine and it didn't work. But what worked... Yeah. Finding the one place, and there's, she says, there is always one place in your body that doesn't hurt, and you just need to find oh, yes, it. Yes, I have that. I have that. It's just, yeah, okay, then I, it's, I'm going to have to try to focus on that. And you know, Susan, it does subside after a couple hours, but those couple hours, oh my God, I feel like I'm going to die. I mean, it's that bad. Truly understand. There's also a wonderful book by Stephen Levine. Called Stephen, who? Stephen Levine. L e v i n e. Stephen Levine. Okay. And the book is called Who Dies. Who dies? And in that in that book are two meditations on pain. Okay. Okay. Quite remarkable. They're meditations that he created for people who have pain which is non-treatable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was always so active, you know, my whole life in gardening, and I couldn't even garden this year. I, I couldn't, do, couldn't do anything since spring, since March. I, all I could do was start going to, uh, like I said, the gym, you know, paying the, mo- the monthly fee and and going because I have pushed. I was all, I've always been a pusher, you know. Um, but Good for I will, you. I will, Good for I will you. Try. I think you're taking you're taking superb care of yourself in a very difficult situation, and I really applaud you. And yeah, you know, what the pushing that you're doing is healthy pushing, and. Um, you're drinking your nourishing herbal infusions, especially comfrey, right? Oh, Susan, I've been doing them all ever since I started listening to you. That's probably been, oh, gosh, for four or five years Good now. 
because I also yeah, and I, I can't even can... make them myself. I can't. My husband has to make them. I can't even make them anymore. That's how bad. I'm I so am. glad that he can make them for you. How yeah. kind of him. Yeah. Yes, it, it it really is. But you know, the the part that really bothers me the most is um, I, that I can't do anything. I I. I have to get horizontal. And for years, I've had to get horizontal, but it wasn't this severe, you know. Um, and I would always tell the, you know, the doctors, you know, or practitioners I went to, I have to get horizontal. So, you know, but now, you know, it's like I can't, I can only like maybe be, I'd be horizontal, then I push myself to get up. And I can, at the most, I mean, like now it's gotten so much worse the last week, and I only had the, the vaccine two weeks ago, and I don't know if it's, I don't, you know, I, I hate to think it that doesn't it's have anything to do with, Rose, it doesn't have anything to do with the vaccine. Well, I wasn't afraid of that at all, you know, that it would, but now I'm beginning to wonder because it's just. I'm saying so it severe. doesn't have anything to do with it, Rose. I hear you. I hear you. And, and I thank you. But being, I feel so useless. The only thing I can do is pray for people at my church. Well, you know, that's a very good thing to do. I heard a story about a woman who lived in Hawaii and who, you know, she had it all. She had, you know, the mansion and the beautiful children, and she loved to ride horses, and her horse threw her one day and broke her back. And she became paraplegic. She became quadriplegic. She was, that was it. She was in a wheelchair yeah, or bed. Yeah, and I, I, her I, husband I, left her and her children shunned her and she, you know, couldn't live in her beautiful house. But rather than become bitter and yeah. curse, curse God, as it were, for her problems, she did what you're doing, which is to, and what Stephen Levine suggests in Who Dies, which is to use every difficulty that we encounter as a way to open our hearts. Yes, I do that. And you do that. And she did that so much that people began to flock to her because they wanted to be in her presence, even though she could hardly move because she emanated. A healing presence. I have grandchildren that I can't see, and they can't come here. They won't come here, and I because the place because of COVID. is just no, no, because the place is such a mess. Because it's like a warehouse. Because I haven't been able to do anything ever since we we moved here, and I used to be a shopaholic, and I've started getting rid of things and sorting things finally because I was always so busy doing volunteer work and and doing work working part-time you know my my whole life and raising my kids and um you know so now I have all this stuff that we just that got moved here so the place is a warehouse and my son, and I don't blame him and his wife, and they don't want to bring the kids here, my grandchildren here, because of the condition of the place, you know. And uh, no, so, I, no, I don't know. Really I don't know at all. That that sounds unacceptable to me. Well, are you saying that are you saying that there are towers of things that will fall and crush the children? 
No, there is, it's just Are you saying that the place is fire hazard? Stuff. Are there guns? Are there chemicals? Is there some no. way that your place is going to injure these children? No, but it's just... They no, don't I do not understand what they are saying, and I do not agree with them. Oh, dear, because I, I kind of understand because... You know, he doesn't want... You can understand if you want to, but the truth of the matter is that they are keeping your grandchildren from you. Yeah. And that's not acceptable. I can't even drive anymore to go there before I would do that. I was going to say, you can't go there. We know that you can't go there. And so it's not acceptable to me that they have this excuse. And really, if it means that much to them... Well, then maybe they should come over and give you a hand. Well, he has offered. He says, Mom, I'll come, and 90% of what you have in your house has to be gotten rid of. And he says, I will only come if you leave the house, and I'll throw out everything that needs to be thrown out. And I get, honey, that's ridiculous. I need to be here. And I have had, you know, a, a, a couple, in the past, someone who would, uh, a girlfriend, um, who would come periodically and help me, you know, pack up some books and, you know, pack up all this, this junk that I don't need anymore. And um, then my husband would haul it, you know, to the to the thrift stores and, and that. And, and I've donated carloads and carloads over the years, but there's still so much because I, I had to cope with some of my issues, um, pain issues, um um, from a previous marriage and everything, I I didn't I didn't deal with it well. I had a bad way of coping, and that was through shopping. So, and I was always buying stuff for people, and then I couldn't find it. You know, it was a, it, you know, now I'm finding things because my hus my husband, dear heart, is finally um, saying I'll bring I'll I'll bring the boxes to you, and you know. But he can't spend that much time with me, so I'm pretty much doing it on my own. But it's it's really really hard because I'm in so much pain. But you know, I just can't seem to. Everybody's busy; they have their own lives, you know. And and people, my people now. You have like cre- you have can, created a perfect prison for yourself, haven't you? Yeah, and I I really want to change. Yeah, so and I, give yourself a pat on the back for the perfect prison you've created and either enjoy being in it because you created it. No, I hate it. Or walk away away and let your son do as he proposes. Okay. No more complaining about it. Okay. You either enjoy the prison you've created for yourself or you let somebody... And springing you means you've got to turn your back on it. Okay. But no more complaints. No more complaints to anybody. Well, I'm I'm just telling you what my situation is. You're done with that. You're done with it. Okay. Have you heard? We're gonna we're gonna accept this is what you this is what you've created, and given that you have created it, you can discreate it, or you can enjoy it. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. And I want to ask you, have you ever heard of any of these needles and pins at the bottom of your feet like this? Uh, have you ever this, heard of such things? At this point, we have used up the 15 minutes that I allot for each call. 
Oh, okay, honey. Well, I thank you so much. I hope so you'll much. call back again time. Green blessings. Okay, Good thank, you. thank you. Good Green blessings to you, too. Good night. All right, and we have four callers that have pressed one to signal that they have a question. Our next caller is coming from the 310 area code. From the 310, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hi. What's up tonight? Uh, Okay, I know there's a lot of callers, so I'll um, I'll try to be as succinct as I can. Um, I wanted to provide one update, and I also wanted to um, ask one question. Okay. Um, so the update, uh, we spoke earlier this year um, a couple times. I called because I was having a very um, a very challenging health issue uh, that had to do with digestion, and I had brought it back to my pancreas. And um, so uh, what I wanted to share with you was, <clears throat> that um, I was I was very very sick. Um, it was very difficult to eat. I was still able to drink infusions, thankfully. But um, at some point, um, actually listening to the previous podcast um, episodes where you had talked about your own um, healing journey and how you had limited um, who you had told. Uh, when you when you were going through that because you didn't want to put um, you didn't want to have certain energy out there um, you know uh, other people's negativity influencing things um, it dawned on me that part of what actually I was it wasn't their negativity it was their help I didn't want okay yeah thank you okay I appreciate that um, uh, so yes, so I, I noticed that um, for myself, I, I I had told a lot of people, and what was happening was um, the amount of attention that the problem seemed to be getting, um, the focus on, on the uh, on the problem um, was not helpful. Was not helpful to me, and I ne- I needed to change the story for myself. Um, and so, so what I decided to do, even while I was quite ill, was um, I decided to um, start telling people that I was that I was feeling better, even when I wasn't, um, because I was I was I was stuck in that story of being ill and of being sick, um, and 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 that was the story that other people were were hearing and sharing with others as well. And so um, I I just I just decided I I just started to tell myself I'm well. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm completely healed. I'm completely healed. Every night I started telling myself that. And when I would talk to other people and they'd ask me how I was doing, I just started saying, you know what, I'm, I'm feeling a lot better. Um, even though I was still in a ton of pain and all this stuff and what ended up happening was, and I, I was at that point, I had not been able to find anything that would help me. Um, but I actually started to see a shift and it was pretty incredible um, what, what I was starting to tell people, of, I'm starting to feel better. I'm starting to be able to eat more foods. I'm starting to, you know, feel less sick. Um, that actually came to be. And um, I started being able to actually eat and start eating, putting fats and especially animal fats back into my diet, which I had, you know, not been able to do. Um, and slowly but surely, I, I found my, my body was responding to the story that I was putting out there and that I was telling myself. Um, 
And so I just wanted to, to share that with you. And I'm, you know, I'm now at the point where I'm, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a hundred percent back to full health, but I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm on my way and I'm getting there and um, it is not nearly the, the bit of a problem that it was before. Um, so I want to thank you, um, well, you know, for teaching well, us. Wow. That's, that's incredible. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> and congratulations. Um, and, and because for of your it. and your book, because of your book and teaching us about the different medicines, um, and story medicine in particular, just um yeah, was, was very influential and helped me tremendously. So um I have my life back. <laughs> I have my life back, I have my hey. life back. Um, yeah. so yeah, so just wanted to share that with you. Um now my question is actually about um, not myself, but it's about my dog. So um, I have a little Chihuahua mix, and his name is Dewey. And um, he has had eye issues um, pretty much ever since we've got ever since we got him. We, I think we've had him now for about I think he's about ten years old, and I think we've had him now for about nine years. Um, so he um, so he's had a series of eye infections. And um, we, he, we actually, the regular vet would then tell us that he has to go to a special, like, pet ophthalmologist. So he actually has his own ophthalmologist, <laughs> which I think is pretty funny. But anyways, um, so, uh, so, you know, I, um, we, 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 we do listen to them uh, for the most part. They want us to put, so um, when, he's ha- when the infections come in, um, so I only found you and your work just within the last couple of years. Um, so I was sort of going the, the, the modern medicine route with him, um, you know, put, putting him on whatever, whatever the antibiotic ointment was that they would recommend when, when the infections would come on. Um, but then more recently they wanted to, they kept telling us that he has general inflammation and this general inflammation um, affects his eyes <clears throat> because then he, he has this like, allergic to response. I'm not sure I entirely understand their explanation, but um, it it does seem to be a chronic ongoing issue with his eyes where they are not always necessarily infected. There's not always infection there, but there always does seem to be um, some sort of issue, whether it's, you know, dryness or it's like overproduction of moisture um, and it's oftentimes red, and it's more often in his left eye, but it's typically both eyes. Um, but it's like if if but the thing that has the most problems is his left eye. Um, so it's it, so he's been having this these ongoing issues. So so within the last few so with, so a few months ago, he then developed a really really bad infection in his left eye, where his eye started to get um, especially blurry. And there was also like pus that was coming out of it. Um, and so we took him to the, so we were concerned that there might be something, you know, really serious wrong. Um, maybe like, I don't know, something, some sort of injury or something like that because of the cloudiness. Um, and so they looked, they said there wasn't anything that they could see that was, that was causing the problem. Um, so they, I think they put him on, uh, or, or they recommended that we give him uh I think it was like an antibiotic um, uh, ointment and that actually made it worse. Um, And, um, and another thing, so I wasn't really paying attention um, 
it was my partner who was sort of handling all of it. I was really busy with other things with my work and so forth. And when I, when I asked her what it was, and it turns out one of the things that the, the ophthalmologist per, uh, prescribed was, um, was a uh, herbal, some sort of herbal pill. They're also like, they, they also incorporate Chinese medicine. So it was actually like we were giving him, um, a pill, uh, like a hard, like round pill that was, that had some sort of herbs in it. And I said, absolutely not. So I said, we need to stop that, um, immediately because, um, you know, I know that, um, herbs and pills and capsules, um, can, and dried is, can be the most, uh, dangerous thing. Um, and I actually suggested to my partner, I said, can we just stop all of the medications because we'd started three at once? Um, as you say, when you start more, more than one thing, you don't know what is actually causing the problem or making it worse. Um, but it made it, um, much worse, uh, you know, the medications, you could see a huge increase in the, in, in the blurriness um, of his eye and so forth. And so um, I found chickweed. Um, I live in a very dry, I live in Southern California where it's quite dry and we haven't been getting a lot of rain. And so, um, and so, uh, so I, I think I was trying um we were, I was trying chickweed and I was also trying plantain. First I was trying plantain um, and then I was trying chickweed because I found a patch of chickweed and I, and I was really excited about that. And so what we were doing was we would make a poultice, we would chew it up and we would apply it to the eyelids, um, to both eyes for about three to five minutes. About, we were doing it, it seemed like the more regularly the better so we were actually doing that about five times a day and we were very vigilant about it because we, you know, we wanted to make his eyes better and it helped. It actually helped. It really brought, um, it, it seemed to bring the infection down and it seemed to make it to the point where um, it was, um, it wasn't great, but it's not, it's, it's not, it doesn't seem to be infected any longer. So um, I ran out of the chickweed, but then I heard you on one of the podcast episodes, um, you had, you had offered um, hibiscus leaves at a, as an alternative when someone talked about eye health when they, I believe they were in Costa Rica or somewhere where they, that was growing. And we have hibiscus everywhere in our neighborhood. And I got really excited. So we actually started using the hibiscus leaves. Um, and that, and again, making them, um, chewing, chewing it up and applying that to the, to the closed eyelids. Um, and again, that, that seemed to help. Um, and it was keeping away the infection, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't creating health in his eyes. It was almost like, you know, it was warding off infection and it was sort of maintaining, but, um, his eyes, you know, were, were still really red. Um, so, uh, so then I started thinking, okay, we need to, we need to start, uh, handling this systemically. So I thought, okay, what can we provide his, and perhaps adding to his diet that can help? So I started um, starting about a month ago. I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner, but I started giving both of, both of my dogs herbal infusions, uh, whatever it is that I'm drinking. Um, and so I've been doing that um, every day. It, I, I haven't really noticed um, a huge increase in his eye in his eye health, but I think all of these things have been have been helping. I imagine. Um, so he the, so he's been getting infusions um, every day rotating through like I do. Um, and then finally, what was the other thing? Um, uh, oh, and then we also decided to add, um, I wanted to start adding orange, um, cooked vegetables and things to his, to his diet to help with eye health as well. So, um, we, we have been, uh, we got some, um, 
uh, a pumpkin, cans of pumpkin, and we've been adding one large tablespoon of that to his meals. Um, so I, I wanted to, to ask you, I mean, that, so that's what we've been doing so far. Um, and his eyes seem to be doing okay. And like I said, when I say okay, it's, you know, the infection seems to be gone. The blurriness seems to be much less. Um, the redness seems to be lower. Um, the dryness seems to be better. However, you know, it's, it's still, it seems to be, it's not, it's not at the place that I would like it to be. It's still slightly red. Um, and they, they get really watery really easily, especially after exercise. Um, they tend to like really water. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure if you have any other ideas or input, I'd love to hear it. Do you do any kind of hands-on healing, like Reiki? No, I don't. Well, Reiki is wonderful, but it's not necessary to do Reiki. I mention it because most people kind of have an idea of what it is and have some... If I, so if I say Reiki, they don't say, huh, they kind of know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Because that is my very strong sense about what this dog needs. If this dog needs someone to sit with him and to put their hands and Do the same thing for those eyes that you did for your pancreas. Envision perfect health. Change the story. You've taken care of everything else. Where people go amok is they say, I'm just going to change the story. I'm just going to change my mind. And they Leave all the rest of it in the dust, but you've taken good care of everything. You're doing a great job of taking care of the dog. And what you can add, what can be really helpful, is that direct hands-on healing. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't have to know how to do it or be an expert at it. Just put your hands on the dog's eyes and somewhere that's comfortable. Maybe the dog's sitting on your lap and you have the, your hands over the dog's eyes. And you, in whatever way is comfortable and strong for you, you imagine, you pray, you pretend, you envision that those eyes are in perfect health. Hmm. Does that sound doable to you? Yeah, absolutely. I can do that. I think I think so. I think you can. Yeah. He's such a sweet he's such a sweet soul. <laughs> just thinking about him just brings joy to my heart. I mean he really is just the so sweetest. Glad. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll try this then. Um, thank you so much, Susan. I, I really appreciate your 
uh, your help and your wisdom. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. Green blessings. All right. And there are five callers that have pressed one signal the question. The next caller is coming from the 703 area code. From the 703, you are... Hello. Hi, Susan. Hi. Thank you for um, accepting my call. Um, I have some questions regarding my health. I have osteoporosis on my back, and um, I had it for a long time, but it's become more severe because I had to take for one year um, Alvesco um, inhaler, a steroid for my lung, um, every day, once a day, um, because I have asthma. I'm a healthcare worker, so I feel like that made my osteoporosis on my back worse. So my hip is osteopenia, but my back is osteoporosis. I would like to know, I, I'm taking calcium right now, um, but the doctor, doctor wants to give me the prescription medication for osteoporosis, but each time I say no. I am a teen person. I, I, I'm a five, two and a half, five feet and two and a half, and I'm gay, uh, my weight is 123 or 122. Hardly goes to 124. I want to gain, but I cannot. I am a healthy eater. Yes, I eat meat. I eat vegetables, salads, fruits. But my job is always on my, my feet and walking. Also, I try to at least twice a week uh, do at-home weightlifting. Um, but it, I don't have any pain uh, because I do a lot of stretching, kind of. Um, I don't want to say yoga, but yes, kind of stretching I learned over the years being a physical therapist and, you know, doing all of those stretches. But my question is, um, they want to put me on a medication for osteoporosis. I don't want to take that medication because it has a lot of side effects, I, ha- I heard. Um, what else I can do? I stopped my uh, lung medication completely, and I said I don't, I don't want to take um, any lung medicine. I just want to go with a breathing exercise and eating healthy habits. So I was wondering what you can suggest me, uh, please, for my weak bones. Okay. Your bones are not necessarily weak, although they have been weakened by loss of material. Yes. Do you know what chalk is? Chalk? Chalk, yes. Mm -hmm. No. Like you write on a blackboard, you write on a blackboard with a piece of chalk? Oh, yes, 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 yes. 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 And do you know that chalk is calcium carbonate? Uh, yeah. And, when you take a cal- and so when you take a calcium supplement, you make your bones as strong as chalk. Yes. Is chalk strong? Yes. No. Chalk is very brittle and it breaks easily. It is absolutely the wrong thing to do to take calcium. So not to take any calcium medication. You are going in the wrong direction by taking a calcium supplement. Now, if you want to put more minerals in your bones, that's a very good idea. 
because your bones yeah. are weak because not enough minerals, but not calcium. It's not calcium that your bones are lacking. It's a whole host of minerals that you're not getting. Yeah. So, for instance, do you eat cooked leafy greens like kale and collards and spinach? Yes, I eat. Um, and when you cook those greens, to... about how long do you cook them for? Uh, maybe just for uh, 10 minutes. You are getting no minerals of any kind from those greens. In order to get minerals from those greens, they need to be cooked for a minimum of an hour. Okay. Um, This is one of the reasons why your bones are in such bad shape. Okay, okay. You know what to tell you the truth is I don't eat much cook of the spinach and kale. I eat them raw in my salad. That's a very bad idea. You should be eating no raw food of any kind. Okay. Nothing raw. Because you can't absorb any nutrients from raw food. Nothing on this planet eats raw food except for a few misguided human beings. You need to have cooked food to get your bones back in shape. All this exercise can only put the minerals in your diet into your bones and you're not giving your bones any minerals. Minerals cannot be destroyed by heat. Minerals are only liberated by cooking. The raw something is, the less minerals you will get. The more cooked it is, the more minerals you get. For dinner tonight, I had carrots that were cooked for about an hour and 15 minutes in an inch of boiling water. I had a sweet potato that was cooked for about an hour in a 375-degree oven. I had some collard greens that were cooked for two hours. And also, because I... So I my I bones how... are extraordinarily dense. Why is that? Because I am feeding them minerals. And I do the same things you do. I walk, I do weight-bearing exercise. But you have to have the minerals available to your bones for that exercise to make your bones stronger. Okay. Okay, so we're going to cut out the raw food. We're going to start eating well-cooked food. You're going to cook your vegetables, not in a whole bunch of water, in a small amount of water for at least an hour. And do you know about nourishing herbal infusions? Are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions? Yes, yes, because I Hmm? listen to your... um, um, Wonderful. And, and what kind of scale do you find that you use? Yeah, I use, um, ha- uh, I have a measuring cup. I make it like half a... Measuring cup a is not cup. a scale. You are not making nourishing herbal infusions. Okay, it has to be a scale. Uh, it has to be cup. a scale. It's one ounce of herb. It's not an ounce in a measuring cup. It's an ounce by weight. That could be half a cup of an herb. Oh, so maybe uh, it's sometimes maybe a lot. I do, um, what do you call it? I forgot the name of it right now. It's a material tongue. Um, I do the, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot the name of it. Um, The nettle, nettle infusion. Mm -hmm. I do once a week, yes. I do nettle infusion and... um, the other one, um, which is uh, very good. There are two kinds I do that. 
um, every week. You need to drink a quart of infusion every day. Quarter of infusion. Um, One quart, four cups of infusion every day, not once or twice a week. And you need a scale. Okay, a scale I'm going to get. Four cups. Scale one ounce. um, A postage scale works fine. One ounce of herb in a quart jar filled at the top of the boiling water. Tighten the lid. Is allowed to steep for at least four hours or overnight. Then strained and refrigerated and drunk over the next day or day and a half. Right? Yes. Minimum, minimum of one quart of each of the five infusions over a week. One quart of stinging so nettle, what? one quart of oat straw, one quart of comfrey leaf, very important for you, knit bone, one quart of red clover, and one quart of linden. Linden is especially valuable for you because it's a very powerful anti-inflammatory. And there's some inflammation process going on, which is causing the cells in your bones, which eat bone, to be overactive. Our bones have two kinds of cells. They have cells which make bone and they have cells which eat bone. And we need both kinds of cells because the cells that eat bone get rid of the bone that isn't good anymore. And that leaves room for the cells that build bone to build more bone. When you take a drug, what it does is it knocks out the cells that eat bone. Yes. But if the cells that eat bone aren't working, then the cells that make bone don't work either. So you can't repair your bones once you start taking those drugs. No, because you're knocking out the cells that eat the bones. Yeah. So I agree with you not to take the drug. Yeah. But you need to drink your yeah. nourishing herbal infusions five quarts a week to eat your food well cooked. And what's your favorite form of dairy products? That's what the dairy products, I'm, I'm, the only thing I do is a half a cup or one cup of kefir. I make my own kefir. And Wonderful. I drink that That's kefir. Excellent. Excellent. I'm so glad. Let's continue yeah. doing that. And I think that even within, oh, six or seven weeks, you're going to start to see some real changes. Okay. Can I ask you one more time? So you told me otosterol, lentil, what else? Uh, Red clover. Red clover, yes. comfrey leaf, linden flower. Linden flower. So yes. what I do is linden flower. So my pro- I do red clover and nettle every week. But my problem is, um, Susan, I tried oat straw. I bought oat straw and I tried it. I have a um, frequent urination or urine incontinence problem for a few years. Although I'm just 57, I when I eat, I drink the autosterol. Oh my God, I am crazy. I'm in the bathroom every five minutes. I go to work. Uh, I hear you. Only I hear you, and I believe your experience. But guess what? Autosterol has no diuretic effects at all. As a matter of fact, nettle is considered a very powerful diuretic, which you're fine with. And, so and turn out the autosterol. It's like the woman who wrote into Prevention Magazine. She said, I drank a cup of Oatstraw tea and had a heart attack. You should warn people. Oatstraw didn't give her a heart attack, and it's not making you pee. It doesn't make... Uh, it doesn't. Thing is, uh, it's not one of its effects. Right. 
but it is an effect from nettle, but nettle doesn't make you pee, so it's not, that's not what's happening. Now, nettle is okay, but lentil... Nettle isn't going to gonna make you pee. Oat straw definitely is not making you pee. It may okay. have been something else you ate that day. Oh, lent, lent, follow, lent, lent and follow also I tried one time, very diuretic, I had to go. Not in the least. Linden flour is not diuretic. Nettle is diuretic. Nettle and is it's diuretic. not making you pee. These infusions are not going to make you pee. Linden especially not. It's an anti-inflammatory. It works the opposite way. It slows down urinate. Yes, thank you. Another thing the doctor told me because I pee a lot or I'm just um, running to the, you know, pee a lot, I, it might be uh, because I'm losing a lot of mineral out of my body. The more you pee, the more you lose minerals, right? And so one way to slow that down is to don't drink anything except your one quart of nourishing herbal infusion. Oh, Okay. Okay, I can okay. pick up that. The less you drink, the healthier you will be. And this, in fact, despite the popular opinion, is true for most people. I'm, Four to five I'm, cups I'm of liquid wondering. a day, unless somebody is living in a place that's extremely hot or extremely arid, four to five cups of liquid a day is plenty. Okay. If you've been trying to drink two quarts of water plus other fluids, that's leaching your yeah. bones so drop yeah. the water drink your nourishing herbal infusion if you want to have a cup of tea or coffee or hot chocolate certainly but no, focus on drinking the nourishing herbal infusion and drop the other stuff okay no the other the tea what I'd like you to do is to give me a call back in about six weeks and uh, it looks like I have, ooh, only about 20 minutes for the last four callers, so I'm going to get out of the next one. Does that okay. work for you? All right. Good blessings. Good Thank night. you very much. Well, thanks. Bye-bye. All right. And there are three callers right now with their hands raised. The next caller is coming from the 919 area code. From the 919, you are live with Susan. Hi. Hi. I was calling about um, mushrooms. Um, I recently ordered a few different tinctures of mushrooms, um, turkey tail, wine's mane, and reishi. And I've read, and I think I also heard you say before that you can combine mushrooms together. I know you like to take, you know, each herb or mushroom separately. So I was just curious what your opinion is on that, if I should take them together or if I should take them separate. I've never said anything about taking things separately. Oh, I just mean like, like when you want to... I have never once said anything about taking things separately. As a matter of fact, I've gone to great lengths to say that I don't take things separately. I make my remedies as simple so that I can combine them any way I want. Yeah, okay. I understand what you're saying now. But I certainly take herbs together. 
And I will repeat, currently I wake up in the morning, I pour myself about half a glass of whatever today's infusion is, I then add about two ounces of kava kava infusion, which I have brewed and ready for myself in the refrigerator, about two ounces of brewed matcha, which is brewed and ready for me in the refrigerator, dropper full of dandelion, a dropper full of eleutherococcus, a dropper full of crataegus, half a dropper full of motherwort, a dropper full of schisandra, a dropper full of hypericum, and I've been taking about 10 drops of mullein. In addition, I take another four herbs for pain relief. I'm certainly taking herbs together, aren't I? Yes. If your question is, can you take those three different mushrooms together? Yes, you can. But my question is, why are you taking them? Um, just general, you know, well-being, immune you should be eating them. You should be eating them. Tinctures okay. are for when there's problems. Food is for when you want to be healthy. All right. Well, good. Now I know. Right? So you want yeah. to be healthier? Then you eat mushrooms. You have a problem, you take tinctures of mushrooms. All right. Right, in the same well, way, it's spinach okay. to be healthy, but you might take a tincture of spinach if you had a problem. That makes more sense. All mushrooms have just about the same effects. And that goes mushrooms in your supermarket to the big giant maitakis that grow wild. Mm-hmm. Virtually every mushroom is going to do the same great things for you. Get more mushrooms in your diet. Be sure they are cooked. Mm-hmm. Cooking mushrooms really gives you far more benefit and eating them gives you far more benefit than taking a tincture in terms of overall health, which is what you're going for. Okay, yeah. And would you say the same thing versus like a powdered mushroom? I don't want to say supplement, but I guess that's what it would be. Well, if it's in a Uh, capsule, that's what it is, right? Yes. Yes. Yes, of course. Um, Would you suggest to to buy powdered mushrooms in capsules, at least open the capsules and put the powder on your food and throw the capsule, the empty Mm -hmm. capsule away. Okay. All right. Well, good. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad you called. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. All right. And we have two callers in the queue. The next caller is coming from the 203 area code. From the 203, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. Um, I wrote an email to you uh, a little while ago. Um, I've been having uh, some... uh, difficulty after a major surgery um, <clears throat> and uh, I've had six um, MRIs since December uh, because of the uh, changing status of my body during this recovery period and uh, they're, uh, because they're, the imaging is done for a soft tissue they've been giving me IV fluids and I'm concerned that... Um, it's not IV fluids, it's dye. 
Yes, it's the it's the metallic dye. That's right. Right. They 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 put, they put it in an IV. Um, yes, it's an IV, but it's a dye. It's not yes. fluid. They're giving you it's a dye, and yes. so can, can, I'm a little at sea here. And I don't want to push you to reveal anything you don't want to reveal. But I could be more helpful if I knew a little more specifics. Um, I major, had a very, major surgery doesn't tell me much of anything. <laughs> I had a very, what's it called, a, um, a very parasitic gliomyoma. And um, I had been trying to wait out the pandemic and um, to get the surgery done, um, but I discovered I couldn't. It grew very quickly uh, at the end, very, very quickly. It tripled in size. And where um, was it? It was in my uterus. In your uterus, okay. And uh, they um, did an emergency surgery on me after I lost consciousness in the waiting room. And um, and removed your uterus laparoscopically or through open surgery? They did an open abdominal surgery. They opened me up from my solar plexus to my pubic bone. Um, mm-hmm. They removed a section of intestine because an earlier doctor had attached a mesh patch to my intestine between my intestine and the uterus that created so much uh, abdominal adhesions that they couldn't see the uterus from the intestines. And it's not clear to me if it was the leomyoma that split open the intestine or the surgeon. I was told uh, after a cesarean section uh, by the doctor who did that, and that was many years ago, 20 years ago, uh, that um, any further surgery in my abdomen would be dangerous because you, you couldn't tell one thing from another. Everything was encased in scar tissue. Uh, so, indeed. You had a C-section. And the C-section left a lot of scar tissue. Is that what you're telling me? No. <laughs> I had a uh, myomectomy before the C-section, and that doctor put a mesh patch on my intestine when my daughters were delivered by cesarean section, that doctor said as a result of the mesh patch that my abdomen was full of scar tissue. And and those mesh mesh patches are bad news, for sure, without a doubt. So when you passed out in the waiting room, they did an emergency open removal of your uterus, and they had to remove some intestine as well. Were they able to reattach your intestine, or did you wind up with an ostomy? Um, No, they they were able to reattach my intestine, although there were there's been a continuing problem because I then developed a hiatal hernia, a very significant one. It's about the size of a football, and I had difficulty swallowing. Um, I had difficulty speaking at first, and I had difficulty eating for the first two months. I lost 60 pounds, and, um, and yes, and I've been weak, and I have muscle pain and so on. So, I mean, I have <laughs> just this constellation of physical issues right now, uh, and I've been having a, a bit of cognitive difficulty with my vocabulary and um, and I don't know if it's the surgery I don't know uh, if it's the uh, 
the dye. I don't know what it is, but I'd kind of like to get some of this junk out of my body, some of the metallic-based um, dye. And, you won't be um, able to. I'm sorry. It's there forever. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> what are your recommendations to try to put myself back together? I'm facing another major abdominal surgery to repair the hiatal hernia now. And um, I'm still First not. off, the only yeah. place to have a hernia repaired is Schuldice. S-O-U-L-D-I-C-E, Schuldice Clinic in Toronto. I don't know, you know, how easy it is to get into Canada right now. You're vaccinated? I'm vaccinated. I actually called. You're vaccinated. That should make it easier. Do not have any hernia repaired anywhere except at Schuldice Clinic. I, and Schuldice, you called Schuldice? Yes, and they don't do hiatal hernia repair. Anymore? They, they, when they I was there, they did hiatal hernias. There were three women there who had hiatal hernias repaired. Hmm. Okay, I'll try again. At, at the, the weekend I was there, there were three women who had hiatal hernias repaired. One whose hiatal hernia was the size of a grapefruit. Yes, mine is about six times that size. Yeah, I mean, that's, you have a very, very huge one. Oh, my goodness, right? But that's, yeah. you know, because everybody else uses mesh. And Schuldice won't. And a third of their work is repairing other people's stuff. So if at all possible, go there. The other thing is if you can't go there for some reason that you have to get it in writing that they will not put mesh in you. Um, I, I did say that, and he said, we won't use mesh, we'll use a pig bladder. Sounds good to me. Okay. Yes, because I yeah. I couldn't. Because the mesh moves around, and it causes intense scarring, not just in you, but in everyone. There's now black box warning on it because there's been so much damage by the mesh. And, you know, it, there are women who had their a big piece of mesh put in to act as an inner pelvic floor, and the stuff started extruding through their belly wall. It's really <clears throat> kind of scary stuff. But, yeah. well, I, but yeah. right now, are you drinking Nourish Herbal Infusions? Um, I drink nettle dandelion. Um, Wonderful. So- I'm always surprised at people who tell me they drink dandelion. I think it's such a cruel thing to do to yourself, but if you like it, I'm not against it. <laughs> it's just like so nasty. Gosh. <laughs> I'd much rather drink dandelion wine. <laughs> and what kind of scale do you use? I use my son's baby, the, the baby scale I bought when I had my son. Oh, how perfect. What a great scale. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, comfrey is like a, a, probably the most important herb for you right now. Okay. 
Humphrey is going to get to work knitting everything back together again. Okay. It's going to strengthen everything. It's going to provide strength and flexibility. A hernia repair repair should not be major surgery. Most hernia repairs are done under local anesthetic, which is not major surgery. Yes, I did. No, it's big. I know it's big, but that stuff doesn't mean that you have to be knocked out. Yeah. No, I don't like the idea of their opening my belly either because um, the, the the first wound is really horrendous. The scar I have from my solar plexus to my navel is almost four inches wide, and you can see through it. You can see veins and so on. It's purple. It's it, it's not a very good surgery and um, not oh, not a very good closure. The surgery is different than the closure, right? Okay. Well, I'm not happy with the idea. So you weren't closed very well. No. Well, I was closed with uh, tape using a wound vac, and the process took some weeks. And um, I thought it was a a much worse uh, thing to recover from than uh, simply being stitched up. I've had, you know, previous abdominal surgeries. Stapled me. Ah. 70 staples. You know, I've thought about you during my recovery. You know, and throughout most of the length of that, you can't even see a scar. Yeah, yeah. I look as though though somebody used a chainsaw. Yeah. It's it's really... Yeah, and that's partly because I've been drinking comfrey for 30 years, right? Okay. So my tissues are strong and flexible. Start getting as much comfrey into yourself as you feel comfortable with. That should be at least two quarts a week. And if you have comfrey ointment available to you or plantain ointment, I would use those directly on the area of your belly. Both the plantain and the comfrey will help to thicken that skin and draw that more together for you there. When I had my hernia repaired, it shown by the incision was two inches. The women with the hiatal hernias didn't have very big incisions either. So again, if at all possible, see about getting to shoulder dice. And you said, you said the place if, if not, you know, really go over with these people what it is they intend to do and why they think it's necessary to do it. Mm. Will the... Um, when I, I, I went for a surgical biopsy and <clears throat> I said to the doctor, I'm only going to do this under a local anesthetic. I'm not going to do, you know, a general anesthesia. And so I went to the hospital to check in surgery, and they said, we're going to put in your line. I said, you're not putting in a line. They said, well, we have to have a line in you so we can give you the local anesthetic. And I looked at them and I said, you don't give local anesthetic through a line. You give local anesthetic locally, and you're not putting a line in me. And they said, you can get dressed and Mm. go home. And I said, you call my doctor. You call my doctor right now. And they got my doctor, and my doctor came in, and she said, you're not putting a line in her. And 
she's here operating on her. So you get it clear with your doctor what it is you want. You get it in writing, and then you be sure that that's what you get. But it's up to you, because they're going to try to do to you what they do to everybody. And I think enough of that's already been done to you. Yes, I agree. A lot of hearts are with you. I can feel them. Thank you so much. I can feel all of the hearts and the ears that are right there with you, coming around you, circling around you. You know, they told me that I died and that I came back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think so, too. I think think there's something around me. Yes. I really appreciate your work, and I appreciate who you are in the world. Thank you very much. Green blessings. Thanks for sharing with us. Call back and let us know how things come out, okay? Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Okay, we've got two callers and time for one. All right. Our next caller is calling from the 207 area code. From the 207, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. This is Bridget. And I had a question this evening about humming. And I heard you speak with um, Z Budapest about it. Yes, she says that it's, um, so far as she can tell, the earliest ritual. Yeah, I've been doing some research on the Melissa and uh, linking to lemon balm, but the importance of bees and the bee priestesses um, and maybe the link between the importance of bee colonies humming and some thinking about ancient rituals where women or priestesses would connect with humming yeah exactly that's just we think that we were not pretending to be bees but we were being bees and not that we thought we were bees or that we were shape-shifting or doing any of that but we were simply being bees by our humming and it teaching ourselves how to work in community. Mm. And to me, it's one of the strongest strengths of women. Is that women really know how to make it work for everyone. Women have always been inclusive because women include in their hearts every child that they bear. Yes, and I think I heard or read somewhere along these lines that humming was maybe like the first way that women or a way that women communicated. Um, I don't know if you've heard anything like that, but 
I'm not sure what that means. Yeah. Um, coming in is not a very good way to communicate. Let's mm-hmm. just start right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 No, no. You know, I would say that that um, animals use all kinds of sounds. Mm-hmm. None of which are humming for communicating. Uh, we might say purring is kind of close to that. And most people think cats purr when they're happy, but of course, anybody who knows about pets, cats will also tell you that cats purr when they're frightened. Yeah. So it's not a really good means of communication. <laughs> it's just kind of a thing that they do. Probably, you know, hand signals, grunts, and and so on, um, or proto kinds of speech. It was really the movement of our larynx, you know, up into our throat that has allowed us to articulate, whereas other hominids can't because of the position of their larynx. In the same way that the shortening of our thumb gives us the ability to grasp between the thumb and the forefinger, whereas other primates have a long thumb that doesn't allow them to make that motion that humans can make, which is to bring the thumb and the forefinger tips together. Mm. So those are actual physical changes that have predicated these things in us. But I I think it's... uh, interesting to look across cultures also because there's the seven healing sounds which are kinds of hums aren't they right the seven know. healing sounds are not shwongi they're mm. and they're hums right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah or even the om feels like a hum to me. Oh, of course, the om is a hum yeah. too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember you um, in the conversation. I heard that you were talking about how you know putting your hand on top of your head when yes, you hum. Jujana has just put her hand on top of her head when you hum, and if you're actually humming, the top of your head will vibrate, because people sometimes tend to make a sound in their mouth rather than letting their whole skull vibrate. Hmm. Exciting and interesting talking to you about this, and it's time for me to introduce our guest tonight, Florence and Romano. I hope you can stay and listen to her. Thank you so much. Great blessings. Good night. Good night. Florence Ann says, life is all about being positive, pushing boundaries, opening your heart, and letting in the love. I truly believe that parents will experience beautiful breakthroughs in their homes if they simply ask for help. And that's what I am here to do, to encourage and empower you to be the best you can by letting love in. Florence Ann Romano is a child care and village advocate as well as an author and a philanthropist who's always had a special place in her heart for children. She worked as a child care provider for over 15 years and believes the key to a family's success lies in focusing on what she calls the trifecta, parent, child, and caretaker, working in unison toward common family goals. Florence Ann is the co-host of the podcast Finger Painting the Future, and her YouTube series Windy City Nanny sheds light on a variety of child care challenges we can see across the country. 
Florence Ann Romano has been featured on over 400 national and local media outlets, including ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox TV, Home and Family, The Jenny McCarthy Show, Sirius XM, and much more. Born and raised just outside of Chicago, Florence Ann earned a degree in performance theater at Bradley University in Peoria. She's served as president and founder of a nonprofit board dedicated to autism awareness and now serves on the executive board of the Children's Research Fund at Lurie's Children's Hospital and founding member of the Sesame Street Leadership Council. She wants to talk to us about separation anxiety and going back to school, how to facilitate a smooth transition, and about the village. Welcome to the show, Florence Ann. Hi, thank you for such a lovely introduction. It's wonderful to be here. Your voice is so soothing. It could just put me right to sleep, but I'm going to try to stay awake. <laughs> All right. I know it's a little bit late at night. But... Oh, no, <laughs> not at all. I w- it would be soothing in the morning. It would be soothing no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Ever since I was very young, the, uh, at school, they always asked me to read the announcements over the PA system. <laughs> <laughs> very, very calming. I like it a lot. Yes, you know, very I, calming, a soothing voice, absolutely. <laughs> wow, kids are going back to school, and that's like a big thing, isn't it? It's a big thing. It's a great thing. I'm so happy they're going back to school, and you never thought you'd see the day that kids would be happy to go back to school, but it was the first I time I've seen I saw the yesterday. I know. Isn't it wonderful to see the school bus again and just, you know, I live no, a few yes, No, it actually made me a little anxious. I made you anxious? You know, I can understand that. I can definitely see both sides of it. It's, it's still strange to see the kids walking all around. those kids in that school bus, and some of them aren't old enough to be vaccinated. I know. It's true. I mean, it is. Listen, we're living in a very strange world. The last couple of years have been super strange. I keep telling everyone we're all just kind of doing the best we can and we're all just kind of making up the rules as we go because there's really no rule book for this. And I'm probably not the only one who's a little anxious about the school bus. No, I think that that, that your opinion and your feelings are totally valid and, and definitely probably a majority of how people feel. I, I think when we, we look at going back to school and we think of the stress of going back to school, of course there's the overarching theme and topic of COVID, but at the same time as well, we have to dig a little bit deeper and see what it is that's making the kids and the parents anxious. And just like anything in life, it's never one thing. It's never one thing that's making you upset. It's never one thing that you have to deal with. It's usually pretty layered. And I have found that to be the case with this transition. So do we have to deal with all the levels at once? Can we choose just somewhere to start what do you do i think that you can certainly start to peel back the onion you know it is overwhelming to to take a big bite of something that is uh pungent i think we'll put it that way uh the first thing i would like to tell people about the transition uh, you know bringing kids back to school is the the fear the fear aspects of it you know let's let's use that as the 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 first bit of the onion that we're going to peel back What is making the child or the parent fearful? And I'll give you the two examples from both sides of the equation. 
The children are fearful because a lot of kids have gotten used to the past year of being home and being remote and just getting used to a different a different kind of routine. And now they have to go back into an environment that is structured, an environment that they certainly remember. But they also are soaking in a, a ra- from around them all of the media that's out there about COVID. And so they're scared, too, because they're seeing and hearing what people are saying about going back to school and still being needing to be masked and, and what COVID means and not, you know, especially the kids who are not old enough to be vaccinated and everything that goes into that. So, again, look at that. Those are a lot of different fears that a child could be feeling all at the same time. And then look at the parent side of things. Parents have been home, working from home for a long time, and a lot of places are going back to in-person now. And as much as those parents at the time when they were homeschooling were probably like, get me back to the office, now they are going back to the office and they're thinking to themselves, gosh, I really got used to waking up in the morning and seeing my children's faces or having breakfast with them or having dinner with them or in the middle of the day being able just, you know, to pop in and have a snack. There, that fear of knowing that you're never going to have that back again, that you're going to have to go back to the life that you knew it has caused a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety and a lot of sadness for parents. So again, here we are, we're transition. These are two different transitions, you know, the kids going back to school and the parents going back to work, but the common denominator is that it is a transition and both parties are fearing, feeling anxiety and feeling fearful. So the best thing I think to do is to be able to relate to each other very rarely is an adult, adult and a child able to relate to the similar feelings, but here you can. And I think it's important that children are able to see that their parents or adults or whomever it is, their caretakers, are feeling similar things to them because it validates them in a big way. And it also makes you, the adult, feel like you have some sort of common ground that you can actually relate to, like I said, or bond over. And maybe you can help problem solve it together. Maybe you can start to figure out what the solution is to all the feelings you're having. But that's my definition of transition right now, a few different examples of what that can be. Uh, And I think it's different in every home, but I certainly feel like a lot of listeners out there are probably nodding their heads saying, yeah, that's what it feels like in my house right now. I really noted that you said that it's really important that you communicate to the child that the child is not at fault for what's happening. Of course. You can't, you know, that in life is very important. You know, whether it's going through a divorce or, or something like that, that children don't feel like they are blame. And to take it one step further, what I think is even more important than that they're not to blame themselves is that they don't feel judged or embarrassed by how they feel or whatever their feelings are. I always tell parents that, you know, it starts in the sandbox. Everything starts in the sandbox when it comes to learning uh, all the different skills in life. But certainly emotional intelligence starts in the sandbox. And something that I feel kids need to know from the very beginning is that whoever or wherever their home is, it's a safe place. It's a place you can go 
and a place that you know that you can be seen, heard, and understood. As adults, that's the thing we want most in life is to be seen, heard, and understood. Kids want the same thing. We all want this for our whole life, starting from the very beginning. And kids, as they get older, you know, you hear little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. Well, you know, I agree with that to an extent. But as kids get older and they are forced to deal with and face a lot of different challenges, you, the parent, want them to be able to come to you and talk to you about whatever it is that's going on, even if you're going to be disappointed in them, even if they're going to be in trouble, that they feel comfortable enough coming to you to talk. Because that's the scary thing for parents is eventually the kids shut down and don't want to come and talk to them about anything. So if you start that relationship from the very beginning with, a, with, a, with the understanding of transparency and the understanding of the safety and security of that place that you're giving them, you're going to be setting yourself up for a great success in the future regarding the communication with your children. And right now as they go through this transition, this is a great time to start practicing that, that you don't make feel judged or blamed or whatever it might be for however they're feeling, that they're able to sit there and communicate about why they're upset or feeling any sort of anxiety, and then build from there. One of the things that immediately comes to mind is that if you're blaming and shaming yourself and guilt-tripping yourself, then you're going to do it to others. And Isn't so that the, the parents, truth? I think, so yes, the parents have to stop guilt-tripping themselves so that they can, right, you know, it's one of the rules here at the Wise Woman Center, no blame, no shame, no guilt. I love that. I love that phrase, you know, and I, I feel like there's always a time and a place for certain things, right? You know, there, you know, if, if there's blame to, to be placed, then of course you, you place that blame where it is necessary or where it is appropriate. Um, being re- but being I, responsible is different than being blamed. Absolutely. Accountability, right? That a different immunity, a different word, not blame. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. And I think that and responsibility, but not blame. You use blame instead of accountability and responsibility, and it doesn't really work out well for anybody. It doesn't, and I think that that's a a rule that more people probably need to acknowledge, and also more people need to understand what the different what you just explained uh, the differences are. Uh, of those definitions, and and going forward, I think with this transition, you know, it's an important note to mention that resilience is key. And one thing I said through COVID was that everybody needed to give each other a whole lot of grace because we didn't know what we were doing. Everybody was scared. Everybody was frustrated. Everybody had their villages taken away from them, ripped away from them, you know, friends and family. And we just needed to be kind to each other and give each other that grace, give each other that patience. And I feel like the resilience that we saw in children was something that we as adults could certainly, could certainly take note of. I think children are resilient in so many different ways. We as adults have a hard time dealing with a lot of reality, with a lot of the situations in front of us, whereas I see children just kind of bounce back or they just take what's in front of them and and kind of deal with it, whereas adults, we could scream a little bit more, you know, mad about, you know, what it is that we don't want to do or what we do want to do. Uh, But I think that through COVID, you don't want to think you go through something like that and don't learn anything. 
And I feel that we all, if we take a minute to think about what we learned during COVID, we'll realize that it probably made us better people in different ways if you're going to, again, peel back that onion. Uh, and I think that's an interesting question to ask your children, too, it's, you know, children that I are able like, to, to. I would like to think that COVID made us better people. But have you looked at the murder statistics for the past year and a half? Have you looked the mur- at the oh, incidence well, of domestic violence yeah. over the past year and a half? Have you looked well, I, at the incidence of child abuse over the past year and a half? I'm sorry, COVID has not made most people better. Well, I live in Chicago, so I definitely can understand those statistics. So, you know, I don't know that, um, you know, I I could also flip it, I guess, too, with, you know, what happened during COVID in terms of mental health. Um, You know, the suicide rates went up and a lot of uh, different issues there. And I think the being pulled away from people was a problem and you know to go and blame how covid was handled i certainly could do that and i have my own feelings about how it was handled um but well i I think you know and i was going to bring up that in one way it's like we have to talk to two very different populations of people here tonight Mm -hmm. because there's one population of people And we could say that that's a village that extends all the way from where you are to where I am, which is people who live in the Northeast who have pretty much um, felt comfortable wearing masks and getting inoculated Mm -hmm. and are returning to work and to school. And people in other parts of the country who have not felt comfortable wearing masks or getting inoculated and are dying by the hundreds. Right. Right. I mean, and they're not going back to school and they're not going back to normal. They live in a pretty divided country. Because of decisions that they made. And so there's these two very different kinds of families that are listening to us those who are anxious and those who are really in terror. I have a dear friend in Arizona. She will not let me come there to visit her. She says, no, I'm not going to let you come to Arizona. No, it's totally crazy here. Well, I feel like, you know, depending on where you live in the country, you know, I live in Chicago, so, you know, I I have seen a lot here in Chicago. You know, last year um, with the murder of George Floyd and the lots of, we had lots of rioting and looting and lots of, tons of, tons of chaos here after that happened. And the city has never truly recovered uh, from, from all that happened, uh, you know, when, when that injustice occurred. Um, but also the way COVID is handled state to state, I think, has made a big impact on what people are willing or not willing to do. Um, and the way that our city handled everything, um, there was you know, not, not, not going to find a whole lot of people who are happy with how our mayor and governor handled things. Um, and I think that's where you find people's opinions come from is where they live. And also the media. The media played a big part in the narrative of what happened to what, what, what happened. That's what everyone's listening to. And either yeah, you said something earlier about the children being awash and all of the fears from the media. And I thought, what kind of parent is letting their children listen to the news? Don't let well, your children listen to, the, don't listen to the news yourself. That yeah, is very bad hygiene, talk. very bad mental hygiene. Do not listen to that stuff. It will make you it crazy. Is. 
It will make you crazy, but people have it. Remember, I wouldn't even allow a television in my house. My teacher has got in touch oh. with me. She said, your daughter has a sign where She has to watch your television show. I said, we don't have a television. We're not getting a television. You can't give her an assignment in which she has to watch a television show. I don't blame you. I mean, the truth is, this everyone day, was hooked. This day, I do not have a television in my house and won't. I don't blame you. I don't watch the news because it is guaranteed to make you upset. And I don't right. need that. Well, I have enough happen in my own personal life to make me upset with that, right. all of that. And you know what? Every single major thing that's happened, I've known within five minutes. It's been amazing. Because why? you know when anything happens, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, the plane hit the Twin Towers? The woman who was working at my side, her sister was in the second tower, and she called her and said, the first tower's just been hit. I'm getting everybody out. We, we were some of the first people who knew before it even got on the news. <laughs> that gave me goosebumps. I mean, but that's the truth, though. But that, but that opens up a whole other Pandora's box about what you expose your children to. No one could turn off the news during COVID. Everyone was hooked to that TV to find out what was going on. And the truth is, every five seconds, every, all the news was changing. No one knew what was going on. The people making the decisions for us about what we should or should not be doing was changing every five seconds. You didn't know who to believe or what to believe. And I think people still feel that way. So I think that's why we uh, think uh, No, you know, that's, that's simply not true. Let me ask you this. If you were to go for surgery, would it be okay with you if the surgeon didn't wear a face mask? Well, of course not. I mean, I, but... And you I'm know not... what to believe. You know that a face mask is going to save lives. You don't need to know who's changing their mind. You put on your face mask, and that's it. I agree with you that you just put on the same face way mask. that you want a surgeon to wear a face mask. And I have talked to a lot of conservatives who went and started wearing face masks as soon as they realized that they would never go for surgery without somebody wearing a face mask. And they said, never thought of it that way. I thought it was just people pushing me around. No, it's not. It's true, but, you know, conservative or liberal, I have heard both. I mean, it's not just conservative people that don't want to wear that face mask or get vaccinated. I've met plenty of liberal people that do not want to get that vaccine. So I think it's, it's definitely. I'm talking about face masks here. I'm not talking about the vaccine. I'm talking about the face oh, masks. Oh, no, I'm talking about the the face mask. I find that I find that it's has been mostly the people who con, who call themselves conservative who felt that they were being pushed around when they were asked to wear a face mask. And you know, I, you know, it has been it's ebbed and flowed, and I've been fine with that. I've been fine with with whether no. Do I need to wear a mask here? It's my decision. Nobody's deciding for me. No, no what they're deciding is you. that you can't go into this interior place without a face mask. Now, you get to decide whether you want to go in there or not by wearing a face mask. But no one is deciding right. for you. They're making recommendations. And then you make the well, decision. In the same the way, I was talking to a friend of mine, and she said, well, I'll never travel again because I'm not willing to get vaccinated. Her decision. Yeah, well, that's. That's her decision. That is, of course. But, her decision. You, know, you see, she's being responsible for it, what you're talking about. And what I'm hearing is a lot of people, what we started with, blaming others for their own decisions. Well, you know, and again, to kind of move off of, of, of COVID specifically, because I think, you know, this is, this is a one, this is a very specific situation that we're talking about. And I think that no matter 
what as time goes by, there's always going to be two camps about it. It just will be that way. Um, and, you know, I got the vaccine. I wear one the mask when I'm supposed to and do all that sort of thing. I had family members who were in the hospital on uh, life support, you know, getting through, you know, COVID. I, I've seen all the different scenarios with it. And I have friends who won't get vaccinated. I have friends who won't wear masks. I have, you know, I, I, I have, I've seen all of it and I have all those different people in my life. But I think the only thing that we can all agree with is that we're never going to agree. We're never going to agree with how it was handled or what the future is going to look like in terms of what we have to do in order to get past it. Because not everyone is going to be happy. They're just not. And that's life. You're not going to always be happy with what you have to do. I'm sick and tired of wearing the mask. I, I mean, I was just out the other day and I, was, I, I had to go grab it and I forgot it in my car. And I was like, oh, I'm so tired of this. I, what is this going to be over, you know, and it's just, yeah, man, I'm getting tired of it. And I think that's a totally normal reaction to be living through something for two years and be sick and tired of it. I understand why I have to do it. doesn't mean I have to like it, but I do it. So I think that that's what happens with children now. I think that's what we're seeing happen with everyone right now is we all have to do stuff we don't want to do because that's the life we're living right now. This is the world we're living in. We just have to do what we're told. And I think that's also a big part of it. Not no one is doing to what they're told. No one has to do what they are told. No. I do not ever have to wear a mask. If I don't want to wear a mask, then I do not go in a restaurant, I do not go in the post office, I do not go in the grocery store. That's my decision. No one is telling me what to do. Except that's the problem, though, is that now the, the, that's the issue those people are going to bring up, is that you are now keeping me from living life. Because I won't, like, I just came from New York. No one is keeping me from anything. It's my decision. I put on a mask or I don't. My decision. It is your decision, but you are, in order to go into that. You wear shoes? Do you wear shoes when you go to a restaurant? Right, but you have to abide by the rules. Again, it's still, you have to abide by the rules. You you wear shoes and a shirt when you go in a restaurant. Yes, you do, unless you're at the beach. You don't have people, you know, like saying, I'm not going to be told that I have to wear shoes in a restaurant. Yeah, you wear your shoes in a restaurant. You do it because it's a matter of public health. It is. No one is telling you what to do. They are telling you that the rule of going in this place is you wear your shoes, you wear your shirt, you wear your mask. That's it. You don't want to go? You don't want to wear a mask? You don't want to wear a shirt? You don't want to wear shoes? Fine. No one's telling you what you have to do. We don't live in a totalitarian state. You don't have to abide by it if you don't want to go there. But like I said, I was just in New York this past weekend. In order for you to go basically do anything, indoor dining, whatever it was, you had to show proof of vaccination. Or it had to be, you had to have at least one dose. And you had to show your ID and your proof of vaccination. And it was the first time that they were actually enacting that rule and all the institutions and all the places around there, if they did not abide by that rule of asking for documentation, that those, those places were going to get fined by the state. It's one of the first states to do this now that's making you show your vaccination in order to go places. And that's changing the game. Whether you go to a concert, the grocery store, indoor dining, a spa, anything like that, you have to show proof of vaccination. So this is what I think is happening. The government's never going to mandate it. 
because this is their way around it. They're going to make the private sector do it. The private sector is going to say, in order for you to come in here, you have to get vaccinated. That's how they're going to get around it. That's the problem my friends who don't want to get vaccinated or wear masks have, is that they are not going to be able to do anything because they are going to be backed into getting that vaccine. So it's not a matter of like, okay, I don't have to do it. Eventually, you're going to have to do it. That's what it's coming down to. And that's you know what? So I go barefoot almost all the time. I have gone barefoot almost all the time for about 60 years. There are places I cannot and do not go because I wish to go barefoot. Mm-hmm. I understand that that is my personal choice. It's my it choice. Is. It is, it is choice. my choice. I, if I want mm-hmm. to participate in that, then I will put on shoes. If I want to fly in an airplane, I have to put on shoes, and I do. So in the few times when I put on shoes, when I want to fly in an airplane, I put on shoes. Because I like to be in airplanes, so I put on my shoes. But nobody's forcing me to do that. It is my free will choice to do that. No one is backing me in the corner. Nobody is mandating anything. I have a driver's license, and I like to believe that everyone else driving a car has a driver's license, too. And I got that license because I wanted to drive a car. But I was pretty old when I got it because for a very long time, I didn't want to have a license. My choice. No blame, no shame, no guilt. We have to be responsible. We can't shove it off on anybody, not the government, not the state, not the, not anybody. We're responsible. We We're are responsible, responsible for our lives and our choices. No blame, no shame, no guilt. It, it's just a matter of time, though. I think that, that's the, the problem, is that people feel like it's they are... It's not a matter of no time. I'm talking about no blame, no shame, no guilt. No, I see your point. I do. I you, do I also you make your decision what you want to do. I got the Johnson & Johnson because I like to travel, and I didn't even get so much as a red mark on my arm. There's simply I mean, no I got, effect. I got Moderna. Any kind. I got Moderna. And I'm I got really glad that I got it. And you yeah. do not have to show your vaccination card to go into a supermarket in New York. I was just in New York City. I didn't and say, I went into I didn't a liquor store, and I didn't have to show my vaccination card. And I went into a um, supermarket, and I did not have to show a vaccination card. And I even went to the New York Botanical Garden. I didn't Gardens. say it was the supermarket. But I didn't you say did you say supermarket, but that's okay. I think you were just... No, I didn't. I said you had to show... On, and I just wanted to be clear, because you did say it, that we're talking about public and spaces. And I went to New York Botanical Gardens, and... Although there was a sign that said, we need to see your vaccination and an ID, really, in fact, nobody asked you, and nobody was wearing masks outside, but we were observing social distancing. And when we went inside into enclosed space, most people just put on their mask because they wanted to. Fine. But again, I went to New that's York fine. and had no, and again, about the place I, I had to go. Yeah, so, I do not but want to promote the paranoid worldview that we're being forced in any way because we're not. But, okay, but that's your opinion is that. If, if, and, and, again, it, so, again, I was in New York. I had a different experience than you did where I had to go. So, and I had to show my vaccination card almost every single place I went. So, you know, but that's neither here nor there. The truth is people are going to make the decisions, like you said. Either you're going to participate in life in the way you want to participate in it, and if they make you get, and if you can't do it because you have to be vaccinated or wear a mask, then that's up to you. But when it comes to kids... Or wear shoes or a shirt. 
or wear shoes or wear a shirt, it's going to become the rule. Eventually, Every one of those places you went into, I bet you had to wear shoes. Yes. I, yes. I, they I would not have I, let you in if you weren't wearing shoes. It's true. But I think that someone who is scared of getting the but vaccine would To me, that's a great burden that those places require you to wear shoes. I'm being backed in the corner. I'm being forced to wear shoes. My, my, my freedom is being infringed upon that I have to wear shoes. Bullshit. But I think there's a oh, difference. You know, those places they wear shoes because they don't want their feet there. I, Let's I have know, but public I think, health. I think public health is good. There's a difference, though, between and someone. I think that you, I think that I have failed to ask you, tell people how to get in touch with you because I know they want more, Florence and Romano. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, Instagram is probably the best place to go. I answer every DM I get, florenceann.romano. Florence, F-L-O-R-E-N-C-E-A-N-N-O-E, Romano, like the cheese, R-O-M-A-N-O, and your Instagram tag is at Windy City Nanny, and we'll want to remind people about your podcast, which is www. Finger painting the future. I love that. Finger painting the future dot com. And of course, Florence with an E and no E Romano like the cheese dot com will take you to a whole bunch of things. Florence and you are a wonderful, passionate woman. It has truly been incredible pleasure to have an opportunity to talk with you and listen to you and um, explore with you. I am so sorry that our interview time is so short. Half an hour just seems like, oh, we just start to get to know each other and then it's all over. But I want to ask you the last question, the question I ask everybody. What do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's been listening to you tonight, Florence and Romano? I am just going to say my the, the quote that I love the most is my Angelou's. People will forget what you said. People forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. And I feel like that's how I try to live my life. So that's my message. That is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. Hey, Sarah Ellen, herbal medicine as people's medicine. Yeah. Green blessings, everybody. Till next week.